Let me just pray over the word before we get started. Father, uh, I just uh, declare what we just sang to be true. Not for a moment are we forsaken. You are with us. You are for us. You're pursuing us. Um, you're so much bigger. And you're so much better than we can even imagine. And so I just pray that the, that reality would rest on some people today as they, uh, as they worship from their homes or from their backyards or wherever they may be. Um, I miss seeing uh, the faces of my brothers and sisters. Um, I miss the community, the laughter. I, I, miss, I miss all of that. But God, this is, this is just a blip on the radar screen. And so we're going to declare what's true and we are going to focus on you. And I pray that your word might move today in some way that I couldn't even imagine. Um, thank you for the journey. Even such a time as this. Uh, I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I, uh, I had a little different week than Cody had. It, it was kind of, kind of the same. I mean, it was like uh, some of you might know this about me. Some of you, maybe you don't know this. I, I can be stubborn. Yeah. I mean, I can be kind of strong-minded, kind of pig-headed, like refuse to quit. And so uh, um, I had my, my head and my heart wrapped around this Easter service next week and just really trying everything we could to figure out a way to get our people together safely. And it's not that it's impossible. It's just like every at every turn, it was like God saying, no, no, it's not going to be that place. It's not going to be like that. And finally, I just, I just kind of had to resign uh, to the fact that, that God is bigger than whether or not we can get the church together on Easter Sunday morning the way that uh, we would like to. And so we are just going to focus our attention on what we, what we can do. And so um, I teased that last week a little bit, and now I kind of feel like, well, you shouldn't have said anything, but it was... That's just, uh, you're used to it by now. Anyway, um, we're going to start this morning with a, with a passage of Scripture out of Mark chapter 4. Um, Brock and I have been talking about this passage kind of on and off um, as it relates to this situation. We're not going to spend much time here, but I'm going to use it as a launching pad for us to get into uh, the real meat of the message today. And this is, this is uh, the story of how Jesus calmed the storm. Um, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And this is what the Word says. On that day when evening had come, He said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took Him with them in the boat, just as He was. And other boats were with Him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But He was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and he, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Guys, I start with that passage this morning just to say this, 
I feel like we, we all get, we have a tendency to get sucked into this vortex of this storm that's swirling. And we're just focusing on the storm and forgetting that Jesus is in the boat with us. And so my encouragement to you today is don't let the things that are going on out there and the things that are being said, don't let it define you. Don't let it define your faith. Don't let it fill you with fear. Don't worry about things you can't control. Don't focus on the storm as much as you focus on the one who's never left your side. Not for a minute have you been forsaken. Um, I say that to myself. I say that as, as your pastor, as someone who falls so short of setting any kind of example so often. I, wanna, I just don't want to mess this one up for you because some of you, I, I talked to my mom yesterday. She might be watching right now. Hey, mom. Um, sitting by herself at home alone, just hurting. And nothing I can do. Nothing any of us can do. And, and those people are everywhere. They need a word of hope from us. Encur- be encouraging. Don't be like me. Um, sometimes after I talk to my mom, I think she wishes, man, I wish I hadn't had that call. You know, be encouraging. Be hopeful because the one that's in the boat with us is so much bigger than the storm. Okay? Um, and so, with that being said, it's Palm Sunday. It is the beginning of Holy Week, the beginning of the celebration of the last week of Jesus' life on this earth before his crucifixion and his resurrection. And it's, it's amazing how quickly things can change. I mean, that's one thing that this whole scenario has, has been really, it's, it's, it's amazed me. I mean, this is the third week, I guess, we've done this in this place, in this way. It feels like forever. Like, it feels like all this stuff has been going on for six months. It's been like three weeks. It's been three weeks. And how much has changed how much of your life that used to be normal, normal, is nowhere near that anymore? Guys, I think Jesus knows how that feels. This, this Passion Week, Holy Week, everything was going to change. Everything was going to change. But listen to this. Changing circumstances, no matter how quickly they change, do not change the character of God. Changing circumstances do not change the plans of God. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. As things spin out of control here, He is not confused. He is not wringing His hands trying to come up with a plan B. Changing circumstances do not change the character or the plans of God. John chapter 12 is where we're going to be starting our little tour today. Hopefully it won't be a three-hour tour like Gilligan's Island or anything like that, but that is where we're going to jump off. John chapter 12, begin the events of Holy Week, okay? Within five days, Jesus would find himself on trial, crucified, beaten. Within seven days, he would be resurrected from the dead and his, his work would have been completed This was all Passover week, the biggest annual celebration for the Jewish community. Jews from all over Jerusalem, all over the country were were making their way to Jerusalem to purify themselves for the Passover. And every family had to bring a lamb with them. The historian Josephus 
tells us the temple records indicate that that week, over 250,000 lambs were sacrificed in the temple. 250,000, average family size in the Jewish culture back in the day was about 10 people. So 250,000 sheep, one for every 10 people means that 2.5 million people are making that trek into Jerusalem. And all of them have a sheep, you know? 250,000 sheep, 2.5 million people in a place that's just a couple of square miles wide. No social distancing here, okay? This was like a mush pot of humanity and mammals, okay? And so that's what Jesus was about to walk into. He's walking into this. Actually, he rides in, side saddle on a donkey, the Lamb of God, riding in to take away the sins of the whole world. The night before he makes this journey, he stops about two miles outside of town in a town called Bethany, and he had dinner with some friends. You might recognize their names. It was Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He had just raised Lazarus from the dead one chapter earlier in John chapter 11, and Lazarus is leaning back, reclining at the table with him during the course of that dinner, and you can read all this in the first about 11 verses of John chapter 12, Mary breaks a bottle of expensive perfume and anoints the feet of the Master and dries His feet with her hair. It was beautiful. In the course of this dinner, a large crowd of Jews heard that Jesus was there. And they came to see Jesus, but not only to see Jesus, they wanted to see Lazarus, the one that He had raised from the dead. This large crowd that had seen Him call Lazarus out of the tomb shows up to see Jesus. Guys, I really think in times like these, we all need to see Jesus. You know, we need to make the journey wherever we need to go to see Jesus, because everything else about fear and storms and the world cratering, economies crashing, it can take your focus off of Jesus. And we, could, we can find ourselves having a yeah, but kind of religion, a yeah, but kind of faith. Yeah, I love Jesus, but do you see what's going on here? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. I know, but have you seen what the world is like? Guys, yes, yes, I see what the world is like. And I see that more than ever, we need to stop and take a look for Jesus. We need to see Jesus. And if we need to see a Lazarus to remind us of his power, so be it. But Jesus is the main story. He's the headline. He's the main event. He's the one that can look at the waves and he can say, peace be still, whenever he wants to. People, if we lose that and we find ourselves with a yeah, but kind of faith, that's not faith. It's not faith. Faith and fear, they don't coexist well. They're always battling for turf. You have to make a choice. Are you going to have faith? Are you going to look to see Jesus? Are you going to believe Him? Or are you going to have a yeah, but kind of faith? This is where we pick up the story in John chapter 12. And we're going to go John chapter 12, and I'm going to read three sections of this and just make a few observations about it, and then that, that's it, okay? 
So John chapter 12, starting in verse 12. The next day, this is the night after he was, his, Jesus was anointed at Bethany. The very next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey, and he sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. There's just one piece of this, this part of the story that I want to draw your attention to because it's probably the thing I relate to the most. Okay, it's, it's right there in verse 16 where it just simply says, His disciples didn't understand these things. They just didn't understand these things. Do you ever feel that way? How many of you feel that way right now? Like you look around and you see what's going on and you know there has to be a bigger picture that God's at work, at, but you just have no fat clue what's going on. I live most of my life that way. Okay, guys, you're not alone. See, this is what faith is for. See, faith has a memory. Faith has a memory. I might not be able to know exactly what God's doing right now, but I can go back in my life and I can find times where I felt hopeless and helpless and I can look back and only by looking back I can see the hand of God at work in my life. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, when you make it through a period of just intense mourning and you, 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 were, you were hurting so bad, your bones were aching, you didn't think there's any way that this was not going to crush you, but you came through it. And after the fact, you can look back and you can see, oh, that's what God was doing. This is often the way God works in our lives. See, we want to know right now, don't we? We, we want to understand. We want to be able to say and kind of defend God's character a little bit and say, no, this is what God's doing, all this stuff. Guys, I have no clue. But He does. And He doesn't call us to have the answers. He calls on us to have faith in His character. To have faith in the goodness of God and in the midst of a storm to walk and not be afraid. His disciples didn't understand these things at first. If you don't understand what's going on in, in the world, in your life right now, if, you, if it has nothing to do with this, if you just, if the, the current situation, if it's just a personal struggle that you, you don't understand, why do you keep falling victim to this thing? You don't understand. Hang on. Keep asking. Look, even just looking back, find the hand of God and hold on to it. Remember that He never failed you. Remember all those times in the past. And one day, maybe it'll make sense to you. Let's go on. John chapter 12, the next passage, verses 20 through 26. He says, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. 
Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So these Greeks, these Gentiles, people that weren't Jews, had made their way into Jerusalem with these 2.5 million Jews, and they decide it's time for us to see Jesus. And so they go and they say, hey, sir, we wish to see Jesus. What I said just a few minutes ago, I think it's time for all of us to take whatever journey we need to take so we can see Jesus. So I think it's a good idea, but they didn't get the answer they were looking for. This wasn't one of those moments where, where Jesus kind of parted, parted the people and let the handicapped and the crippled come to him. This, he, he pretty much says no. Um, the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. It's not time for these kind of introductions. If they're going to see me, they need to really see me. See, Jesus is saying, it's not enough for you to just wish to see me. It's all about how you need to see me. It's time for the world to see Jesus through the lens of Calvary, through the lens of the cross. And the same is true for you and me today. John Corson, in his commentary on this passage, says this. It's kind of lengthy. I'm just going to read it. These are his words, not mine. He says this, As far as we know, Jesus never gives an audience to these Greeks. Instead, he says to Andrew and Philip, no one can see me except in the light of the cross. No one can understand or comprehend me unless they see me in light of my death, burial, and resurrection. Maybe you have the same request. I don't get what's happening in my life. I don't understand what's coming down. I don't understand what's going on. I need to see Jesus. And Jesus would say to you precisely what he said to these Greek seekers. You will see me only in the light of Calvary. Why is the Lord doing this? Why is he not taking care of that? Doesn't he love me? I can't answer the question of why your loved one died. I can't answer the question of why your, life, why your wife left or why your business went bankrupt or why your cancer returned. But I can say that Jesus declares to the seeker, to the Greek, to you, and to me, you will never understand apart from the cross. For it is there that you will see that I am madly in love with you. I died in your place. My heart was broken over your sin. Everything I have, I gave for you personally. Can you trust me? Won't you trust me? The only answer you'll have this side of eternity is the cross. For rather than dialogue endlessly about every problem and hurt that you might have, Jesus demonstrated his love conclusively by dying in your place. I may not understand what's going on. I may not be sure which direction to take. But I know that in his hands and by his side, I'm exactly where I need to be. Guys, the cross... 
is so much bigger than this storm. Do you hear me? The, the cross is so much bigger. It doesn't take a back seat to COVID-19. It has never taken a back seat to anything. It is the most redemptive act in the history of the world. And at times like this is when we need to claim it. Not, yeah, but, that just doesn't help pay the bills. No, this life, hey, if it goes as well as it can possibly go for you the rest of your days, guess what? You're going to die. One day, this vapor, this mist is going to be gone, right? The cross makes eternity possible for you. Don't you think we should cling to it ever the more tightly? Not, not my words. Jesus' words. Verse 25. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever loves his... Guys... Why is there so much talk of self-preservation? Brock and I kind of talk about this at the office a lot. It's not like I'm the sharpest crayon in the box. And I know I make a lot of stupid decisions. Um, in the name of faith sometimes, and in the name of stupidity other times, okay? But Jesus clearly says, if you're wanting to hold on to your life in this world so tightly that it's the most important thing to you, you're going to lose it. But if you lay it down freely, you keep it. I'm not saying we shouldn't be smart. But guys, there are, there are worse things in the world that can happen to a person. And I think one of them is becoming so self-absorbed and fearful that we shut everything else out and claim that my physical safety is the number one most important thing in the world. Um, I am so sorry for those of you who are suffering because of this. And I know Angie's folks, might, they might be like, hey, Ron Carroll. I know it's dangerous for people. And I'm not saying put people at risk or anything like that. But I am saying, church, this is not the time for us to go into our shell. Be more creative about how we love people. That's, that's what we've been saying. That's what we'll continue to say. Some of you are going to find that offensive and careless. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. How is the church supposed to lay down its life for others if all we're concerned about is protecting ourselves? I just I don't know how you connect those dots. And so I don't have the answer but I will keep banging the drum, people. God's bigger than this storm. Jesus says in verse 26, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Here's a question. If Jesus were still walking around the earth today, where would he be? What do you think? I mean, there's six or eight of us in here. Where do you think he'd be? Hospitals. Yeah? Food pantries. Maybe bagging groceries. He would, he would be out. Would he not? He would be serving some way. 
If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also people. I, I, I don't know what it looks like, but this is not an excuse. It's just not an excuse for us to not be the church. Where would he be? What would he be doing? That's, if I'm going to go down, that's where I want to go down. Last section, John 12, 27 through 37. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. That should give you a lot of hope, people. I have glorified it. I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you might become sons of light. And when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. Jesus just kind of unwraps the whole next chapter of the story. He says, Basically, hey, I came to this earth to die for your sins. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it doesn't multiply. He, he goes on to say, my heart, my soul is troubled. A lot of people out there today with troubled souls. It's just, I mean, it's not like sadness, just sadness. Because, I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about? That when you just got a, a soul ache and, and you don't think it's ever going to go away. That's what Jesus felt, okay? And it's what some of you guys might be feeling right now. But it's not an excuse to question why God has you where he has you. It's not an excuse. Jesus says, what am I supposed to say? Father, save me from this hour? It was for this reason that I'm even here. Guys, could it be possible? Could it be possible that God in his sovereignty knew we would be right here, right now, facing exactly what we're facing? Is it possible that, that God has equipped us in advance to walk the road that he's put before us? Is it possible? Brock and I, we're just amazed by the fact that we can even, we can even stream video right now. And this was not possible for us like six, eight weeks ago. But God happened to lead some people with expertise and, and, and open some people's hearts to give generously, to buy all this equipment. We had no idea this was coming. But he did. Could it be that Whitestone Church is positioned right here, right now, for such a time as this? See, Jesus... He knew he was walking directly the road that God had placed him here to walk. 
And He walked it perfectly for you and for me. And I believe that our road to walk right now is to continue the work that the Spirit empowers us to do, which is to continue to lift up the name of Jesus so that He'll draw all people to Himself. I don't know how that happens in social isolation. I don't have to figure that out. I have to just keep being faithful to keep trying to glorify the name of God. I think it's interesting that the voice came down from heaven. God Himself speaks. I have glorified it. And I'll glorify it again. And people still couldn't agree where it came from. Some people said it was thunder. Some other people said it was an angel. Guys, people are going to hear whatever they want to hear. Even if it comes directly from God. And we need, as the church, to not be so concerned about what other people think they heard. What's the Spirit saying in here? What's the Holy Spirit leading us to do? And let's just be about doing that. Let's leave the arguments about where it came from and who said what to other people. He says, the light is among you for only a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. See, I've said this many times. My, my, my fear about isolation for some of you out there is the voices that you're, you're listening to. Just all day long, just fear, 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 fear. And, I, and what, what's, what's building up your faith? You might want to tune in tonight on Instagram Live or Facebook Live and, and, and let some worship saturate your soul. Kind of wash, out, wash away some, some of that stuff that's starting to stick to us because, because God is still in control. And I don't know how he, He's going to say, peace, be still. But I know that He always does at some point. He always does. Sometimes He just lets the storm completely pass and then He, he helps make beauty out of those ashes. Maybe, maybe that's what's going to happen. But at the end of this, God is still going to be God. The cross is still going to be the the best reality for humanity of all time. And eternity is going to be possible. As we start this journey towards Easter, I'd like you to just collectively as a church even on top of anything else you're studying in the, in the Word, start marinating and meditating on John chapter 12 through John chapter 19. John 12 through John 19. That'll take you all the way through the crucifixion. It'll take you through Passion Week. And there's some other Gospels you can go to, but just right there, that's going to take you to John 13 and the, where He washes the disciples' feet. And it's going to take you to the upper room discourse. And he's gonna, you're going to see about being connected to the vine. And you're going to... See that He's the way, the truth, and the life. And you're going to see Him betrayed in the garden. And you're going to see the same Jesus they were celebrating just five or six days earlier. Just one, Luke 22, 63 through 65. This is how much things can change in a week, people. People waving palm branches one day. And then on a Thursday night, the same week, 
Luke 22:63. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him. Blasphemy. Same week. Praised as a hero, beat, mocked. And he did it for you and for me. So that our hope would not be in a government or a medical profession or anything else other than Jesus, our Redeemer. By Friday afternoon, he was hanging on a cross. But see, the hopelessness of that Friday afternoon, as dark as it was, didn't change the fact that Brock said this last week, Sunday was coming. Sunday was coming. Cody wrote a song called In the Waiting that a lot of you are familiar with. And uh, he, he, he wrote an extra verse to that for Advent, for Christmas. And it just kept, it kept coming to my mind this week. And this is what it says. When I think about all you've done, all we had and all we lost. A great divide left to cross. We were in hopeless, hopeless straits, guys. We, we didn't have a chance of getting to, getting to God unless Jesus bridged that gap for us. Unto us is born a son. And in a moment, it's all made clear. God, you will not leave us here. Cody, I know that song has meant a lot to a lot of people in a lot of seasons. Um, Probably never more appropriate than right now. Because the only way to get to the empty tomb is by way of the cross. And the cross happened on a Friday. The tomb was not overcome until Sunday. And I think we're living in Saturday. This isn't the waiting, guys. How are we going to wait? Are we going to wait well? I pray we would. Pray with me. Um, Father, I pray that your, uh, your word would just do what your word does. I feel like all... All you wanted me to do today was just kind of kickstart kick start a, a, a journey th- through Holy Week for people. To remind them that, that, that you did what you did so that we would be equipped to live days like these. Our hope is in you. You are just as good in the waiting You're as good in the expectation as you'll be in the celebration. I long for the day that you've made all these things new. Let faith rise up in your church. Let it begin in in each of us and let let it just trickle out. Maybe start just flooding out on those around us. 
Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for what you did for each of these people. Thank you that we can see hope because of the cross.